Welcome to this week's Silk Grassroots Podcast, Match Fix, brought to you by the Down to Play app. Hello, have you missed us? Series 2 and episode 11 of Match Fix is here. And today we talked about new beginnings, allyship and competitiveness. I'm so honoured and really, really excited to be back for series two. And I've got so many brilliant guests lined up for your listening pleasure. But before we get started, there's a few things in order. Firstly, this has absolutely blown my mind and Selks, in fact. But we've made it to the final of this year's Football Content Awards. We've been nominated in two categories, one for the non-league football podcast category and another for the women's football content creators. If you have already voted for us, you're an absolute legend. And if you haven't yet, head over to their website or find them on Twitter and Instagram. Truly and genuinely overwhelmed by all of the amazing support that we have received and the fact that we even got a nomination, let alone made the final. That is enough of a win for me, in all honesty. Secondly, if that wasn't exciting enough, Andrew and I have announced that we're starting up a Selk Women's Charity 11. He already has a really successful men's charity one and they've played four or five games now and it just made sense for us to start a women's one. We've managed to secure all of our sponsors already, which is incredible. And thank you so much to all of you who have got involved. If you yourself would like to get involved in some other capacity, drop me a message. Uh, also, I would like to give a shout out to Abergavenny Women and Lauren Boyd, who play in Wales, of course, and Ashford Women and Sophie Shaw, who play in the London and South East Regional Women's Football League. I am play. I am sponsoring both those players for the upcoming season, so I'd just like to wish them good luck. And also just a massive good luck to all of you playing, managing, coaching, volunteering, whatever it is capacity that you are involved in the women's game. Here's hoping we have a season that is back to some kind of normality. Anyway, enough from me and keep listening for part two. Keep it simple. Get down to play today. The UK's leading app for next game availability. Download Down to Play from the App Store and Google Play. Welcome to part two of episode 11 of Match Fix. And joining me today is Naomi Feltham, who is Defender at Fulham Women. Naomi, how are you? How's things? Hi, yeah, I'm doing very well, thank you. Yeah, all good. How are you? Yeah, I'm really well, thank you. Very excited that, well, I mean, you've already kicked off your campaign, but I start football this weekend myself. So yes, very excited. Excited to have this back as well. You are episode one of series two, even though I said 11. So yeah, really excited to have things going. Um, How's things been kind of getting back into the swing of a kind of distorted normality shall we say yeah how's how's kind of your summer been since I guess freedom day and whatever that is <laughs> yeah I mean it's so in terms of football wise it's been lovely to have some of the COVID restrictions removed and you know able to socialize a bit more with the team and a little less restrictions regarding training and things so that bit's been brilliant um other than that just the fact of being able to get out of the house has been great you know obviously I live on my own so it was quite a challenge during the third lockdown mm. just because of the fact I was obviously working from home and it's quite isolating so 
everything's now you know fingers crossed removed for the foreseeable it's been it's been great so yeah and shame we haven't had as brilliant as weather as we could have done but it's not been too bad <laughs> yeah absolutely we had all the good weather last year when everyone was kind of locked up and then this year it's been rubbish you wouldn't have thought it was august bank holiday just gone would you i know i know well they're saying you know a couple of weeks in september we should have reasonable weather but who knows at this point right <laughs> it's getting so late in the year it's like is what it is at this point yeah absolutely um besides football what's kind of kept you busy um so obviously the social part has been like great for me like being able to just get out and see friends I ha- obviously we haven't been able to travel abroad but I have had like a couple of breaks away with friends in the UK and with my family so that's been keeping me really busy um but also just keeping fit really obviously with two seasons cancelled due to COVID um you know you kind of lose that fitness aspect and the fact that the gym's opened obviously late April early May and just being able to get out a bit more and do some exercise has been quite nice so yeah it's been good nice cool sounds like you've had a good little summer to be fair despite despite all of the uh kind of things of life that are covid these days it seems exactly exactly yeah and i actually started a new job um in july so Mm -hmm. i started obviously virtually which was interesting um so that was an experience but yeah finally we've actually been able to meet the team which has been also really good so yeah lots going on nice so new job new team i like it exactly but let's kind of go all the way back so i mean when did you when did your football story start when did that begin have you been playing since you were young is it a new thing tell me a yeah, bit about that I mean, in the grand scheme of things I would say I was slightly older playing football I didn't start playing football till I was in secondary school mm-hmm. um, so about 11 or 12 whereas a lot of um, players started a lot younger than that um, I started joining at the school team I had a friend that played she was like come along and join and I just fell in love with the game I'm gonna be honest technically I wasn't very gifted but I was just very, very fast. I was yeah. naturally an athlete. I used to do athletics. I ran the 800 meters. Nice. So I was and I was good at running and I was quite fast. So I, they kind of picked me up from that aspect and then it kind of just went from there. But I just fell in love with the game, really. I would be out playing constantly. Um, my dad is a big Chelsea fan and was also an ex-referee. So I had it in the kind of my blood anyway. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it was just part of, part of me, really. Growing up, I played at school and then I played for like a local team. And I kind of progressed really quickly, actually. I played at Brolo. I'm originally from Essex, mm-hmm. played for a local team in Essex, and then actually joined Colchester Academy Girls, who were the only centre of excellence in Essex at the time when I was 13. And so it went really quickly, and I just kind of grew from there. And then went on and played for West Ham Ladies um, up to the age of 17. And yeah, it just all kind of went in like a bit of a spiral, really. And I just absolutely loved the game. Amazing. How was it being at West Ham, for example? It was great, actually. So at the time, you know, the, obviously the WSL was non-existent. Um, so there wasn't much funding in women's football. Um, however, during my last three seasons there, we did uh, they did start amalgamating the women into like training at Chadwell Heath, where the men trained. Mm-hmm. We started getting more um, access to their kit because obviously before, you know, they never really made women's fits. You just used to get the men's shorts and the men's yeah. shirts in a small and kind of, you know, wear it. Whereas like, later on, they started making more custom fits. Um, and then, yeah, I grew from there. We we got to a few like national finals at the time. Like the Tesco Cup was a really big female cup in the UK, and we got to the final of that. And then I actually got picked up um, at a game playing against one of the against Man United actually, and I got scouted to go and play in the United States. Nice. I went on a scholarship out there when I was eighteen. Yeah, for four years. And at the time, there was no really, there wasn't really a step from youth football into women's football. Yeah. Um, there wasn't, obviously, the WSL wasn't there, so there wasn't much support. And so for me, 
I knew I was never going to be a, a pro. Um, so I decided to go out and play in the US and it was the best thing I ever did. Um, I got the, the funding out there was incredible. Yeah. Um, I got offered a full scholarship to go and play out there. And it was just the best thing ever. I had studied in California for two years. And then I transferred over to a university in North Carolina for two years and played out there. And it was just brilliant. I met friends that I've still got now for life and um, got some great, great coaches and great training. Mm-hmm. And the facilities are just out of this world. So, yeah, it was brilliant. Nice. Sounds amazing. Yeah. Um. So, <clears throat> yeah, so you did the US and then when you came back to the the US how how was how was that coming back from the US yeah so um yeah it was brilliant so I came back I actually did want to stay out in the United States um but unfortunately getting a visa out there is pretty tricky um especially when you're when you haven't got any kind of corporate backing and you're not sure what you want to do Mm. so I decided to come back to the UK um, and I actually then went on to play for Durham. Um, I got a scholarship to go and do my master's up at Durham University. Nice, amazing. And I played for the university and also trained with the WSL team, Durham, mm-hmm. at the time. And they'd just been promoted into what is now the championship. Yeah. Um, from there, they'd kind of been, they'd been progressing, got a lot of funding from the university and some local teams. Um, and they've got some great talent up in the Northeast. So I went up there, played there for a year. Had a great experience, loved it, made again some brilliant friends. And then after that year, I came back down to uh, London or I moved, moved back to Essex working in London. And I got quite an intense job straight away out of uni. Yeah. Um, so I kind of couldn't put my foot on the pedal in terms of football as much as I wanted. Mm. I was at Billericay for a little while as they're my local team. Um, and I just I just couldn't commit to, to the travel. Um, they'd just again been promoted into what now is the uh northeast and south uh, sorry national league southeast yeah which is not massive amounts of travel but for me at the time it was quite a lot because yeah. i was commuting in and out of london every day um so yeah i trained with them and then actually took a couple of years off my job got really intense i was traveling a lot to the middle east um because i run up run the partnerships desk for that so um yeah i was just like playing five aside really and then when covid hit that was actually my trigger point to actually go back and play football again because <laughs> I wasn't traveling. Um, and, you know, I had a bit more time on my hands. I was working from home full, full time. Yeah. I could actually start playing again and committing. And I had a friend who played for Leighton Orient. She was like, just come along. Like, it's a great set up there, you know, join. So I joined halfway through the season. And then obviously COVID then put it to a very quick halt. But I still was training and playing. Um, and yeah, it just kind of went from there really. And now I'm kind of gone back around full, full 360 and I'm back playing pretty much <laughs> full time training twice a week, playing every weekend and I'm at Fulham. So yeah, it's been a, been a bit of a whirlwind. Yeah, absolutely. A real roller coaster there. Um, so if we just kind of, can you do a little sort of comparison between being in the US and kind of being in the UK? I guess it's obviously, I mean, it's kind of exponentially grown in the US as well these days as well, hasn't it as well? But obviously it's been a little while since you were there. But yeah, how do, how do the two compare kind of playing in the Definitely. US? Um, just in terms of the, the time that's put in, you know, you get, when, you're, when you're there, football is just as important as academics out there, mm. if not more important. You know, you're there and they're funding your scholarship through football. So you you are putting in just as much time into football as you are academics, and they're on top of the academics big time. You know, if you're if you're not hitting certain grades or attending lectures, very different to the UK, then you are not permitted to play. Yeah, and you have to make sure your grades are as good as your footballing ability. So you can't just get away with it. 
but the, the level of coaching was was brilliant. Uh, you know, we were training every day, so we'd show up pre-season normally August first. Yeah, um, we'd have two or three solid weeks of pre-season where we were having two, three sessions a day. Normally in the morning it'd be a strength and fitness training, and then in the afternoon more of a tactical session. Um, and that was for two weeks solid in the blistering heat of August, mm. uh, which is always fun. And then, uh, yeah, the season would start around about now, actually. Um, so we'd start playing. We normally play two games a week, so midweek. And then on a Saturday, we'd, tr- we'd play and train. Um, everything was provided for us, you know, kit. Um, you know, when you travelled, it was you, you had no expenses. They provided all the food and, you know, gave you everything you needed. We stayed at fabulous hotels and, mm. um, you know, we travelled all over the country, really. Um, so yeah, they, they were on top of it and I mean, it's world-class out there. You know, we had hundreds of people at some of our games. Um, the girls were brilliant and they, they really, I think because they grew they, out there, you obviously grow up without the Premier League. So yeah. tactically, you're not very, you're not very ad- adapted to the game. You don't watch it week in, week out. Yeah. But fitness wise, they are out of this world. You know, I've never ran and got so fit in my life after being out there. They are, they are so, so fit and physically so strong as well mm. um, so that was something I really noticed the fact that I was fitter than I'd ever been and also I had kind of the the advantage of tactically being around the Premier League and understanding the game a bit more yeah um, so we kind of had that advantage but yeah it was it was brilliant and you know I went I was captain in my second year and defend like conference so it, rather than it being a league it was called a conference so conference defender of the year and it was just fantastic and the, the support that I got behind the scenes you know whether it was to do with psychology or game prep or you know anything that I needed rehab it was it was there on on tap really so it was fantastic and I know the UK is getting to that point especially with the WSL you know they're really putting money into it which is fabulous but mm. at the time it just wasn't here in England yeah um, so there was no real option to, to do that so I was just yeah very grateful that I got the opportunity when I did yeah absolutely and I think kind of even now that's sort of reflected in the WSL like you say so obviously I mean like <clears throat> so Arsenal they've got kind of Anna Patton and Lotta Wubben Moy they've kind of done a sort of stint out in the US haven't they and then uh, if you look at Ebony Salmon who's gone from Bristol all the way over to yeah. Louisville so yeah I think there seems to be kind of I don't know if maybe there's sort of like a recycling possibly of a few kind of younger players who are maybe not getting the minutes that they want kind of over yeah. here have kind of decided you know what I'm going to go and have a little go over in, in the US it kind of seems to be like it's yeah as I said like a sort of a little recycling of that so yeah and Definitely. kind of and also you get you know a top class degree it's not like you're just going out to play football for fun mm. you do come out with a with a very very strong degree that you can use then in any any you know anything you decide to go into yeah definitely sounds super appealing and I definitely think there's kind of the chance obviously we want to grow the women's game over here of kind course, of in England yeah. stuff like that it's definitely a great opportunity especially for people that maybe someone like me who maybe knew I was never going to be pro and I um, did want to go into kind of I, I knew I wanted to get a corporate job and go into business to some point so for mm. me it was perfect um so yeah anyone like that I would definitely encourage them to go amazing sounds really great so yeah, you kind of did that and then came back to the UK and you're like, okay, I'm going to go to London. Oh, you went to Durham, didn't you? Yeah. So how, Durham, yeah. Yeah. And then after that, I had to get a real job. So, yeah. <laughs> Life happened. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, so did you say you came over here and you went to university at Durham? Yeah. Yes, that's right. So I came back to England in, in 2015 um, and in the May and joined and went up to Durham in the September. So I was mm. literally at home a couple of months and then started my master's straight away and was playing up there for a year. Um, which was also a great experience. You know, they've got Durham, one of the top sport universities in the country. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, the facilities they had were outstanding. And I also got to then, 
I was able to train with the WSL team at the time mm. if it didn't clash with our season. So again, they were doing strength and conditioning training and I was becoming stronger and fitter than I'd been in a very long time. And they had full access to the university's facilities. So they were being able to train on AstroTurf once, uh, twice, three times a week. And they, they were playing, you know, they were at that point, the, w, the championship was growing quite rapidly. Um, so they, you know, it was a great opportunity for them as well. Yeah, definitely. I feel like you've slightly done the reverse there, actually. I feel like a lot of people kind of, they play kind of football kind of throughout their kind of teenage years and then they go off to university and have like a little bit of a break at university. But you're like, no, I'm going to have yeah. all of the football whilst exactly. I study at the same time. Exactly. exactly. And then I, yeah, I kind of had my break then when I came back to London um, just because of my work was quite hectic at the time and I just couldn't really commit. Um, and I was I was promoted quite quickly, so I couldn't really turn it down. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I kind of went in the, the in the reverse, as you say. But yeah, it was brilliant. Durham Durham's a great great university, and I came out with you know a, a master's degree in business plus a you know we we got to the national finals for Bucks um, for the universities, and obviously got to train with the WSL team as well. So yeah, it was it was a great experience. Yeah, amazing. I, do you know what? I just really hope that Durham kind of get a promotion this season as well because it feels like it's been brewing for such a long time. They're always just slightly on the cusp of like I just. Agree. And they've, they've recruited some great back um, back end staff as well now to kind mm. of help with the kind of the workload coming in. They've got some great recruits. They they really you know push it and and they're one of the few teams in the northeast that actually have the potential to do it. They've got yeah. some great talent up there, so I really do hope fingers. Fingers crossed them this season they can do it. I mean, they had a great win at the weekend, so who knows? Yeah, absolutely. I think as well, as much as I love the WSL, because I am a Reading fan myself, I really think that the championship is more exciting to watch sometimes and it's far more competitive I think occasionally I so yeah obviously you have kind of quite a big gap between the top three teams and, the, and, and maybe the rest of the league yeah whereas the championship it's competitive games week in week out um so yeah it's much more competitive yes definitely one to watch so nice I like that okay so you did Durham and then was it then to Leighton Orient after that Yes, well, I was at Villaricky for a season, yeah, but yeah, yeah we, uh, that was when I was like a fair few years ago, and then yeah, went to Leighton Orient um, when COVID hit, and from then on, so two seasons were cancelled um, due to COVID, and then obviously we had the the drama back in uh, the spring of this year with everything that had happened in the in the press. Yeah, absolutely. I guess we can have a little touch on that. I think we should maybe discuss it a little bit. So yeah, Leighton Orient, the the men's side of the club decided that they no longer wanted to kind of be associated with, didn't they? Kind of they want exactly. they decided on a, a different path. I think um what was it there? Um a bigger long term picture, I think it was, like increasing correct, activity yeah, so and opportunities to, to for players. Up. Yeah. Exactly. They wanted to start up a women's team down in tier seven. Which which was fine, um, but it, you know, for for a team that were playing in tier four, it just wasn't really feasible. So um, yeah, we kind of had our disagreements on that, definitely. Yeah, it just I think they kind of they missed an opportunity with keeping you guys on, didn't they? And it just yeah, just it seems like communication was the big kind of issue there, I suppose. Huge. <clears throat> yeah, and unfortunately, it was it was basically a decision that was already made. But I think before we even stepped in the boardroom, yeah, um, so there was no we we didn't really have a leg to stand on. But definitely, communication would have been key. Um, and just the way it was handled was was from both ends really was was you know it could have been done better if if we'd have just sat down on, and spoken about it. I think it would have been much more professional. Yeah, mm. but it seems like kind of the direction that you've gone in yourself is kind of a really positive one now and actually kind of they've done their own thing so they're they're seaward now aren't they that's correct yeah so they've gone completely independent and yeah they're financially dependent on themselves um so they're london seaward 
Um, and they've, you know, obviously they're still playing in that tier four leagues. They've got their license, and they've, they've had a great start to the season. Actually, you know, one, two, drawn one. Um, so really, really strong. Um, yeah, I mean, they're they're looking great. It was just, it's just for me, it just wasn't the direction that I wanted to personally go in, and I was yeah. just looking for a bit of a, a change up. And so I did a bit of research over the summer, you know, just to see what was about. Um, in terms of travel, I couldn't go too far out of my radar. So yeah. I um, was looking around and then decided to have a look down on the ne- on the next league down, which was which was Fulham play in London, the southeast, and mm-hmm. had a really good chat initially with the coach Steve. We spoke about just what what they were looking for in players and what I was looking for in a team. And um, he asked me to come down to training and had a couple of preseason games, and it's just gone really well. Like the girls are brilliant they are one of the nicest group of girls i've ever played with as a team um really welcoming the setup is fantastic you know we get access to motspa park where the men play where the men train Mm. um you know all the same kit women's fit everything's really professional access to stats and game footage and things like that so it just felt like the right the right fit for me at the time and um it's going really really well and i'm really enjoying it yeah, that's really great to hear. I'm actually kind of keeping a sort of keen eye on your your division in particular, actually. Kind of I've got little links here, there and everywhere. So I've got a friend who's a Dartford fan. Um so Hannah Duncan, who plays for Whiteleaf, she was one of my guests in my right. series one, so I'm kind of keeping an eye on her, like yeah. keeping tabs on her as well. Uh I know one of the managers at Millwall. I kind of I've watched Ashford play, I sponsor one of their players. So yeah, I've got kind of fingers in all the pies really with your Definitely. your your division. Definitely, yeah, few strong strong teams in that league you know Dulwich are also strong mm. um so yeah it's, it's definitely one to watch out for it's gonna be uh an interesting battle this year of promotion and relegation definitely there's there's a lot of teams in the mix yeah absolutely and I'm, I mean obviously we've mentioned that WSL and the championship are kind of competitive but actually I think you really are starting to see that kind of filter down where kind of national league level and kind of even below that it's really starting to kind of pick up pace definitely. I agree there's always been such a big gap between you know tier two down to tier six you know it's almost like huge huge gaps whereas now I think actually the levels of the quality is becoming much much more um and and you know the amount of time that's being put into these clubs and the effort and the quality of the players as well is just brilliant so yeah it's really exciting to see yeah and I think a lot of that is to do with kind of obviously the kind of exposure that the women's game is getting and people are kind of starting to I think I always say on this podcast I kind of in fact actually um I'm going to quote um from episode one that I did um and it was that you can throw a stone and you'll find a boys club whereas it's a little bit more difficult for that in girls but actually I think you really are starting to see that kind of the wheel turn and kind of the motion is kind of set and actually you're starting to see more and more kind of opportunities for girls and actually Fulham is a very good example of that because I think there's you've got a wildcat centre haven't you or yeah and then I think there's the development centre as well and then you've got all the programmes which is also really strong yeah so Everything is kind of available there at Fulham, which sounds really exciting. Like, are you involved in any of that at all, or is it? Just... Um, so there's not been much talk of it at the moment, simply mm. because of COVID. Mm. Um, but we did have a chat with the with the foundation last week, actually, and you know we're going to attend some of the sessions, and they help a lot of people in the community, whether it's yeah. disabilities, special needs, pushing female football. So we're, we're going to definitely try and get down to a few sessions and support that. Um, yeah it's brilliant and actually you mentioned about you know the as you say like a stone throwaway is a boys club you know when I look at that growing up I'm from Essex mm. there was only really two clubs in Essex that were ever any good for women's football which was West Ham and Colchester yeah anyone other than that was just wasn't really in the mix you you know it was such a big gap between those two teams and everybody else 
that you didn't really you either played up for them or you didn't play at all. Whereas now, you know, you've got hashtag United playing in that league, Billericay, mm. um, in out in Norfolk and Suffolk, you've got Ipswich and you know Norwich. So it's really exciting to see so many more teams being, you know, not just the London teams, as you know, it always used to be kind of Arsenal, Chelsea, you know, the big clubs that used to dominate. Whereas now yeah. you've got so many more smaller teams that are actually at a really high level. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think, yeah, like, well, as I mentioned, you've got a Wildcat Centre, so obviously that kind of is the really young ones. And I am involved in my own club's Wildcat Centre as well. And I think yeah. just having a, a few of the other girls who play on my team as well, they also come and help down and coach and stuff like that. And I think, as you say, you guys are going to kind of try and get down to some sessions. It's, it really is easily just like, well, it's so easy to just just show them that actually, yeah, there is like women who play football and actually Definitely. you can be doing that from that young age as well. And, you know, they really appreciate when we do come down. They love to chat with us and just get a feel for our background and what we're up to. And yeah, they love it. So yeah, we'll be definitely be going down in um, probably in pairs or maybe in threes over a period of time and just try, try and have a chat with them and get to know them a bit more. Yeah, nice. That's really cool. So normally at this point, I would ask you what's been your standout moment at the club. But obviously you've not been there very long. So it's a little bit of a challenge. Um, maybe let's go for kind of what are you most kind of looking forward to? with this? Obviously, you've already kicked off your season, but kind of what are you most looking forward to kind of throughout the season? Or is there somebody that you're particularly looking forward to playing possibly? Yeah. So for me, I think as a team, it's a really exciting time, you know, we have some exceptional talent in our squad and actually we're just getting better and better week after week. Yeah. Our training is is brilliant. It's very bespoke to the weekend. It's relevant. We get stats on what we're up to. We know our plan. We, you know, we, we understand our tactics very well. So for me, you know, it, it's after Christmas, it's going to be so exciting because that at that point, the league's coming to its like final third of the year. Yeah. We really are going to be looking for that, pushing for that. Obviously, there'll be four or five clubs that will also be in the mix for promotion, but we really want to be at that point where we're, you know, within five points of promotion by the within the last few games of the season. Mm-hmm. And that's as, as a team, that's our goal. Um, so for me, it's really exciting to just see where we can go. We've, as as I, as I think, as I've said, you know, we've got such a mix of ages as well. So we've got, you know, players from ranging from, you know, 16, 18 mm-hmm. up to slightly older ones like, like me, really, like 28. So, you know, we've got such a broad range, but everyone has the same kind of goal. Mm-hmm. to be you know we, we really want to push to that next level and, and be playing in tier four next year so um that's definitely exciting obviously you know the game against Dulwich Hamlets is always a brilliant game it's mm-hmm. not too much of a you know we're slightly derby slash it's not yeah. too far away as as the crow flies and um that's always a great game because they have a great stadium they bring in a lot of fans and as do we at the training ground so normally it's you know it's not too far to travel and we tend to get a lot of people coming down to watch um, and again, FA Cup's always fun. You know, you never know who you're going to draw. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's, um, it's definitely exciting. And um, but I think t- in terms of where we can go as a team and as a club, um, that's the most exciting for me. And I think we can really push for promotion this year. Amazing. Sounds really inspiring, actually. And like, there's a lot going on. There is, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, what was I going to ask you there? I've lost my train of thought there. <laughs> um I guess I, I would normally ask as well. Kind of, oh, actually, no, nope, I've remembered it. I apologise. Um, you mentioned about kind of player stats and stuff like that. I feel like that's yeah. quite a kind of fairly new thing, actually just across the board in terms of women's football, really, and kind of really doing proper analysis and things like that. Like yeah. how, yeah, how have you kind of, not necessarily coped, but like I guess it's it's quite a new thing, isn't it, to be introduced to suddenly being like seeing the numbers of how you're actually performing. So like how have, how's, how have you dealt with yeah, that or how have you felt about I mean, that? I know there's a lot of games that get filmed now, but, you know, we have 
very high-end um, camera technology for filming all of the games. So that's really helpful, the fact that we can then watch back and see where we've kind of done things right or wrong. But we also use something called Player Maker, which is kind of a, a technical thing that's attached to your boots. So you mm-hmm. kind of strap it on before training. It monitors your touches, you know, your running, um, everything you've been kind of doing with either foot, um, you know, crossing, anything like that. It picks it all up and actually it kind of sits on the outside of your boot um, and it, you t- put it on before training, log in, and then you kind of take it off at the end and put it back into the hub and it kind of re- relays all the information to you. Mm. So that's something we've been kind of looking at. Um, obviously, once the season gets really into the swing of it, we'll really be able to delve into the details yeah. because you can notice how much fitter you're getting, how much closer your touch is to your body. Whereas, you know, when you're on fit and you're in the 89th minute, the ball can kind of go a bit astray sometimes. Yeah. Whereas it's really good to monitor that and say, actually, you know what? The touches are improving, the quality of the passes, the crossing and things like that. So that's something that was really, um, really enticing for me when I first joined to kind of monitor my stats. Um, Obviously, we've only had one league game. And unfortunately, our game this past weekend got cancelled due to COVID. We were used to play Millwall, but unfortunately, they had a few COVID cases. So had to postpone the game. So we haven't actually, we've only played one league game mm-hmm. however from you know the, the next couple of weeks we'll be really pushing and um to, to see them stats over a, over a longer period of time is really exciting for me because obviously you know everyone thinks you think you've done okay but then when you look at the stats you're like oh actually <laughs> maybe i haven't so yeah of course and i mean any any chance to kind of improve the women's game and kind of advance it in terms of technology and stuff like that kind of we're gonna have to embrace it aren't we really and if we want Definitely. to kind of continue to see this sort of kind of professional element of the women's game then why wouldn't we kind of embrace that kind of technology i'm kind of a bit jealous you know <laughs> yeah no it's great and also i know there's a, a lot of other teams as well that wear you know the vests under their shirts that yeah. monitor the, you know their heart rates and things but a lot of the men wear which is also great you know anything encouraging that that you can monitor data and see how how much you're improving is is great so i i'm yeah i'm all for it um yeah even if the stats aren't always what you want them to be i think it's brilliant so yeah of course and i guess it's just kind of room for improvement there then rather than kind of not not so much a criticism of your kind of performance it's just kind of the the places where you can sort of pick up where actually you've got kind of a chance to improve so if anything that kind of pushes the women's game forward yeah absolutely embrace it i agree yeah 100 percent um as i said with the biggest standout moment i've also would normally ask at this point what's the biggest challenge you've had to deal with at the club but obviously i don't know maybe you could reflect on pre-season how you feel like pre-season personally went for you sure um for me obviously just getting back to fitness levels again um you know as you get older obviously your recovery takes slightly longer yeah um, i've really noticed that having two seasons like out with covid and not being maybe as fit um that's mm. kind of been a big challenge for me but actually like we've we've been working so hard as a team all throughout pre-season um and we have solid fitness sessions with our strength and conditioning coach and I've really noticed that you know that 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 improvement across the board not just with me but with the whole team um and we we know you know we're we're actually finding that we're pressing very quickly and we're able to maintain our fitness throughout the whole game yeah um so that's been although it was a challenge no one likes running in pre-season it's actually (laughs) been brilliant and really beneficial to us and I think by Christmas time we will be so fit you know we'll be able to you know outplay a lot of teams due to fitness so that's been something that's a challenge but also a positive um so yeah that's kind of the that's really the only one yeah fair enough you mentioned there about strength and conditioning do you have an actual strength and conditioning coach at the club 
Yes. Yeah. So what's what's your staff kind of like and how's that? Is that a new thing for you having kind of individual members of staff or have you kind of experienced it before? Yeah, over the last few years, yeah, in terms of having individuals has been a kind of relative new thing. So obviously we have the head coach and we have a goalkeeping coach who is there both sessions for the week. So he works on, you know, specific things with them. And then we've also got a strength and conditioning coach, um, Carly, who works with us um, on, she'll do rehab stuff. She'll also do specific. So whether that's, you know, every Tuesday, normally we do um, uh, 45 minutes of just weights or different exercises, plyometric stuff that was relatable to the game. Um, and you know one week it might be hamstrings the next week it might be quads so we're, mm-hmm. we're working specifically on that and then if we do anything outside of football so if we so we get a gym membership um, provided to us by Fulham amazing gym, which is also fantastic so yeah. there's like clubs all across the country so you have the one membership and then you can kind of go to the clubs as you need so if you go to the gym in the week you upload your stats and it kind of it's provided to Carly then through that and she can kind of monitor it and see if you're working on staff it's mainly for people in rehab who are injured yeah um, that are working on specifics and things like that but yeah we've got um different chats as well saying like you know maybe do this this week or try that next week so that's been brilliant for me yeah to, to have like stuff that's bespoke and specific because normally clubs only have one or two members and they're normally like slash manager admin you know dealing with referees and everything all in one yeah yeah of course um whereas now we've got specifics for that so these coaches are solely working on different things and we've also just launched our social media team so we've got um a guy that's come in he started our twitter page we're also going on instagram um he's there at the games kind of you know giving a few commentating bits and pieces Mm -hmm. um and also chatting to the girls and getting some feedback so that's also been a real push on social media which is always exciting so yeah of course I feel like as well, kind of, you're definitely starting to see it, especially kind of National League and kind of in your kind of division as well, that, that you're starting to kind of really see where people have got their specific roles as well. And it just seems definitely. to kind of be filtering down. And another thing that just keeps kind of filtering down a little bit, a little bit. And so, yeah, just another kind of really important thing to kind of grow across the women's game as well. And I think I'm pretty sure I've mentioned it before as well, kind of, I think it was Carly Telford who said it and it might have been somebody else about how actually <clears throat> like a goalkeeping coach for her is still only a kind of relatively new thing as well because yeah. I mean you always get the kind of classic like oh women's goalkeepers are rubbish and all that kind of yeah. all that rubbish kind of thing but actually goalkeeper coaching is kind of fairly new within the women's game so actually it's really yeah. inspiring to hear that you've kind of got it at your kind of level and 100% I mean in all the clubs I've played for bar the US I've never had I've never known a goalkeeping coach to be present especially at two sessions a week mm-hmm. um, which is great so the fact that they're heavily involved is is brilliant and also I've what I've noticed is the fact that social media presence you know there are teams in our league and even below that are putting you know live feeds on their games you know promoting the girls um, I think it's brilliant you know whereas a few seasons ago you would never have had that, that live feed on Twitter girl, what's going on in the games you just would have to look on the website after and see how they got on yeah of course I am a big social media advocate as well so I run the socials for my football team as well and we play at tier seven so I'm kind of all over kind of being yeah. present on social media we're not quite at live streams yet I'm not sure anybody would want to see that to be honest but <laughs> and it's a little bit tricky that sometimes I'm on the pitch and people are like did you get my goal and I'm, like, I'm on the pitch with you so no <laughs> exactly but yeah no honestly the power of social media is so important and actually sometimes it gets a little bit lost and kind of the negativity that people experience with social media and stuff like that but 
actually, I think it's so important, and especially in the women's game for the kind of growth of it and kind of, yeah, you can kind of see it with, obviously, we've had the deal recently and stuff like that and just a lot of teams kind of stepping up their social media presence so Definitely. people, again, can see it. I was actually it. really impressed at the weekend. I was keeping an eye on the championship games and I've actually noticed that Sky now have live feeds of all the championship games as well as the goal scorers. Nice. Whereas before they only had WSL and it never had the goal scorers names, it just had the final score. Yeah. So the fact, obviously, I know we've done the deal with Sky, which is brilliant, but the fact that they've got live feeds on the, on their Sky app is fab, it's fabulous. So Yeah, definitely. It's so important. And again, that kind of sort of see it to believe it kind of thing. So if the kind of younger generation are seeing that, oh, look, who look, there's women's football happening right now, it just means hopefully we encourage more people to watch it and maybe even more people to play it. Definitely. I couldn't agree more. Yeah, it's so important for the young girls to really push them through and, and keep them in the UK system rather than, you know, letting them go and play in Europe or in the US and maybe potentially losing them. So Yeah, definitely. And I think that's kind of not not on a knife edge potentially, but it's kind of yeah, obviously there is a slight draw to kind of go abroad and stuff like that if they think the opportunities are better. But actually if we can if we're able to showcase it through things like deals and stuff like that, then absolutely hopefully we'll kind of as you say, keep them here in the UK and kind of grow the, the UK game. So I guess otherwise we're at the risk of kind of what's sort of happening, I guess, with kind of men's football where a lot of we have, I mean, obviously it's amazing to have such a variety of players and cultures and stuff like that in the UK, but actually it doesn't kind of beat homegrown talent, does it? No, not at all. No, there's nothing better than seeing a youngster come out um, for, you know, a, a Premier League club and knowing he's come through the ranks and watched him play whereas you know overseas players are brilliant and so talented but there's nothing better than a UK talent coming on the pitch so yeah definitely I think um it's nice to see a lot of our kind of English clubs with their kind of academy graduates as well so obviously Arsenal are very good at that kind of the women's team and I'm going to do a little Reading plug here as well. We've got a few graduates who actually, a few of them have kind of gone elsewhere, but actually they're still remaining in kind of WSL and championship clubs. So, yeah, yeah, it's really nice to see that a few of them have kind of come through the ranks. Kind of they've been there since they were sort of eight, nine years old. And now they're kind of getting their opportunities to showcase their talents within kind of the first team. So, yeah, any way we can inspire people to do that is really great, I think. 100%. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I think you've already sort of touched on it a little bit, but kind of what does the future look like for Fulham and for you? Obviously, kind of you've mentioned how it's going to be an exciting season because you've got kind of there's a few, maybe four or five teams who are kind of in and amongst it potential for promotion. So, yeah, anything anything else you want to kind of mention about kind of the future for you or just Fulham in general? Um, well, for me, kind of I'm, I'm more at the tail end of my career, but I am totally, you know, 100 percent with the team in terms of pushing them and getting them to a position of promotion as much as possible. You know, within the next few years, they want to be playing in the Southern Prem. So tier three, mm-hmm. they have, they have the backing for it. They have the facilities for it. They have the players for it. It's just a case of, you know, it takes time and to really push. And that is their ultimate goal. You know, we had our kind of pre-season um, just discussion a few weeks ago about where we see ourselves as a team, what our kind of goals are. And, and we, we built them together along with the manager. And, and for us, we want to be playing at, in tier three within the next you know three to four years no yeah. doubt about that um so the, and they've got they've got the backing for it so um yeah that's the most exciting part really and whether i'm playing or not i still want to be able to help the girls as much as possible get to that level and you know and push it because for me there's nothing better than seeing young talent come through and and seeing them progress you know we've got obviously the the foundation and plus like the youth teams coming through and mm-hmm. there's some great talent there it's just it's just a great time for young girls to be playing football and i've got a niece I mean, she's only four, but 
I, I would want nothing more to, for her to be playing for like a, a top level club when she's like 10 or 12. So yeah. I'm, I'm advocating it as much as possible. Yeah, that's really inspiring to hear. Um, let's talk a little bit about allyship. So obviously you're part of Fulham and kind of you've touched on it briefly here and there about how supportive the men's team are. But kind of, yeah, that's, I, I mean, it sounds like there's a lot of equality amongst the club. And like, obviously you mentioned about how you train at the same place. I think the team have been there for the last sort of five years or so. So you're kind of, it seems like Fulham are slightly kind of ahead of the game, really, because I, there's not many kind of women's teams, even in the WSL now, in fact, who kind of share training grounds or even share a stadium. So, yeah. yeah. Definitely, yeah. I mean, so we obviously train there where the men. Obviously, we have to work around schedules. We ha- we have all of our um, match day games on the on in, at Motspur Park as well. So we're not playing anywhere separate. Obviously, due to COVID, it's it's you know taking it day by day. But yeah. um, you know, providing that everything stays as it does, we will definitely be playing there. I know they didn't train there last season because of COVID, but n- none of the academy teams did because obviously Fulham were in the Prem last year, so it was very much isolating the team as much as possible yeah, yeah, of course. to prevent any breakouts um but yeah they've they've really put a lot of effort into it you know so the, the coach steve he is a full-time employed um coach by fulham mm-hmm. so he, he's the fact that they've, they've done that alone is, is huge um that he's on a salary which is fantastic there's not many clubs that offer that even in the championship level you know they're still working part-time or you know or full-time on like not much you know income yeah. so it's it's great that they've offered that um, and again, you know, we're always pushed out by the men's social media team. So, you know, whenever we do stuff, they encourage, they they flow it through their social media mm-hmm. and encouraging it through their fan base. We had our, you know, signing day at, at Craven Cottage. So they're giving us access to the facilities. So that they're very, yeah, as you say, the equality is definitely there with Fulham, which is one of the reasons why I was encouraged so much to go there because unfortunately it wasn't quite there as much with Leighton Orient. Yeah. Um, so it, it's like night and day difference between, between the clubs. And that's something that I've, you know, really looked and looked at and, and kind of felt really positive about. So that was kind of one of the main reasons why I decided to go there due to that equality. And it's definitely an exciting time to be to be playing for Fulham. Um, they've it's they've got great facilities. They really do. You know, we've got the inside dome for when it's torrential rain and all the outside astroturfs. And so yeah, it's it's brilliant. And we get full access to everything pretty much the men get. So yeah, that sounds really amazing. And yeah, brilliant. Um, let's kind of talk a little bit kind of broader. So, I mean, you mentioned you're a Chelsea fan, so that's a little bit disappointing to hear. Only because I just would like Frank Kirby to come home. <laughs> I can't deal with any more goals against her. She's just too yeah. good. Um, but yeah, so kind of where do you feel like sort of the women's game is kind of making strides? I guess we've touched on a little bit here with like deals and stuff like that. But kind of where do you think the kind of real positive areas of women's football are right now and kind of in the future potentially? Sure. I mean, so you've obviously got kind of the, the main teams that dominate the WSL. So Chelsea, you know, City, Arsenal is very strong. But some of the other teams, you know, looking at the signings they've brought, Everton, you know, mm. some great signings this summer. Leicester, you know, pushing and allowing the women to play at the King Power. And Brendan Rodgers coming out and saying, we're one club, one team. Everything mm-hmm. we do is for each other. Just that alone, it would, you know, 10 years ago, that would never have happened. Um, so the fact that, that, that all that's possible now, and um, I think... I think it'll be a big step for Leicester when they move up, but I, def- I mean, some of the players they've signed and, and the facilities that they've got, they, they, it could be one of those seasons where they just do miraculously well. Who knows? Um, I think Everton are looking strong. Um, it would be interesting to see how Birmingham get on. Um, yeah. I haven't seen much of them throughout social media over the summer, but be you know depending on what happens. But yeah, I think it's it's. I still think Chelsea are going to dominate that league. Um, I think they're too strong. Um, Emma Hayes is 
outstanding and mm. coming off the back of the Champions League final um, with that, that kind of team morale, I, I don't think that will be been able to be beat. Um, but it's definitely going to be an interesting WSL season. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, as you mentioned, the kind of Champions League kind of um, final, I think Emma Hayes, won't. She, obviously, she wouldn't have been happy with that. So I think they will be kind of all all guns blazing with that one and firing on all cylinders because she will want that like i mean <clears throat> she already came out didn't she when we had the kind of the the hoo-ha of wimbledon and all of that sort of stuff around her going to wimbledon and actually she yeah. was like no i've spent too much time building this club why would i want to be anywhere else so, so yeah completely so true yeah and she's yeah. done a fantastic job there truly brilliant um so yeah why wouldn't she want to try and get to that next next level and get the champions league and they're, they're more than capable of doing it. So Yeah, definitely. And I think as well, I mean, I just really loved having her on the commentary team as well at the Euros as well, just giving oh, a different perspective. Brilliant. Yeah, just so thorough with her kind of analysis and stuff like that. It was very refreshing, especially so I think even, well, yeah, so um, kind of at the Olympics, some of the kind of commentary that we heard for the football was interesting, shall we say. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, I'm... For me personally, that's something I'm kind of hoping will be a kind of... Um, I'm actually, maybe that's the next question that I ask about challenges and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, so, and as we've mentioned already, the championship looks really exciting to kind of be paying attention to. And actually, yeah, I think, fingers crossed for Durham, they kind of get somewhere. But also I'm really excited to see how Liverpool get on because obviously kind of it's a little bit embarrassing for them last yeah, season, how it kind of went for them. When I look at Crystal Palace as well, the, the, the kind of the extra hours they're putting in, they're training, you know, three, four times a week. They've got great, you know, again, they're being backed by the men. It'd be interesting to see how they get on as well. Yeah, definitely. And um, they ran a really um, kind of fun kind of initiative over lockdown where they kind of had um, members of the team sort of just reach out to people and chat. And actually, um, I managed to get my team on the list for that. So we did a sort of little kind of Q&A session with Annabelle Johnson, the captain. So that was really great. And yeah. she also went to Durham. I know Annabelle very well, yeah. Oh, nice. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so that was really, yeah, it was just really uh, an interesting and really inspiring kind of chat Definitely. with her that evening. And uh, yeah, just a really great initiative run by Crystal Palace as well. And obviously Chloe Morgan, their goalkeeper, she's just absolutely kind of smashing it on and off the pitch, really, isn't she? So Definitely. yeah, I think Crystal yeah, Palace are a great one to pay attention to. Completely, I agree. It's an exciting time for the Championship. It's probably one of the closest seasons it's going to be. I'd obviously, I'd love to see Durham go up, but you know, who knows? It's a long season and there's a lot of games. And unfortunately for Durham, they're just that club that are just so far away from everyone, aren't they? They've got yeah. so much struggling to do. You know, every away game is pretty much two plus hours, you know, drive. Um, so it's a lot for them. But hopefully they'll get there and they've got a great setup and backing behind them. And Lee's done brilliantly there. So yeah, fingers crossed for them. Mm, absolutely and kind of just further down the pyramid fingers crossed that it's kind of exciting season do you know what just to have a a, a normal season would be good wouldn't it like it's kind definitely. of you've forgotten what a normal season is definitely it's always a worry you know when with winter looming and covid and fingers crossed you know nothing we, we won't go into any more lockdowns but just with restrictions more cases you know if there's any outbreaks it's just it's just a worry so hopefully fingers crossed we have a relatively straightforward season and there's no major setbacks yeah absolutely um, so on the kind of flip side, kind of where do you think the kind of biggest challenges lie in women's football right now? I kind of briefly mentioned before about it, but yeah, kind of where do you think we're kind of, it's maybe not slacking a little bit, but where's the kind of the improvements that need to kind of take place, do you think? Sure. I, just, I think I think funding is always going to be an issue, um, <clears throat> yeah. naturally, because, you know, we, there's just not 
it's just not given. Um, but I think for women as well, especially, you know, you've got players in the championship that still have full-time jobs. Yeah. So, you know, you can't fully commit and go and go in at 110% when you've still got a job and still need to have a roof over your head. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, you just don't earn enough to justify not working, unfortunately. And it's such a shame because there are some brilliant, brilliant players out there in the championship that could potentially go to that next level, but just can't afford to, to give up their job and, and go full time which is completely understandable and unless you're relatively young and have got backing from like a good family support you can't really afford to do it mm. um, and it's such a shame because I think that there's so many um, good talent that maybe doesn't get that seen because they just can't afford to go to go full time um, and other than that just I think the more awareness across you know I'm, I mean Sky are doing very well to kind of cross brand it on, on all their channels mm-hmm. which I think is great but I think once the actual physical WSL kind of league starts and there's more advertising on Sky I think that will be a big boost you know as we see that there's hundreds of fans that go to gaming you know, I think Durham had like 667 fans at their game on Sunday yeah that's which amazing. Is amazing so that it's definitely getting out there um it's just whether you know they're, they're the funding really is pushed on it and and um yeah it's interesting because i watched um the i don't know if you've seen the documentary on sky about the u.s women's national team and and their fight for equal pay in the u.s and it's absolutely brilliant and it just talks about how they you know have obviously won four world cups you know four olympics um and still overall have got much much less income than the men yeah um, the men have won absolutely nothing and the battle that they had to, to had to fight for it was just insane and i definitely think the uk is is ahead of them with that we are we are getting there slowly but mm-hmm. it, there is still quite a long way to go so. yeah i guess kind of there's the whole equal pay with the national team isn't there for us kind of they, yeah. i think they get paid the same for like yes. going to games and stuff like that don't they but then equally you can look at things like the fa cup can't you so yes. if you yeah. win the fa cup and you're you're male you get 1.8 million for the club or however yeah 1.8 if you win the fa cup and you're female you'll get 25 grand so exactly. yeah the disparity yeah. is insane and I think a, a lot of people kind of think, oh, there's just it's, it's just the kind of classic sort of oh well they don't play as well and all that kind of rubbish yeah. as well. But actually, I mean, it's not that it's not that we're demanding that immediately they be paid one point eight million. But you, yeah, you just have to. I mean, you, I think you get one hundred and fifty quid for getting to the first round proper in the women's game, and that's how much yeah. you get for losing like extra preliminary in the FA Cup. So if you're male, so. Completely. Yeah, it's not that we're demanding 1.8 million immediately. But... Exactly. And it just becomes a vicious circle, doesn't it? Because obviously the less you earn, the less you can pay players, which means the less likelihood they are to be able to train full-time. Yeah. And so if you can't train full-time, you're not going to be at that at that top level. So it's just a vicious cycle. So hopefully over time, you know, things will change and there will be the opportunity to become more full-time and financially be able to, you know, live on that salary. Um, but at the moment, yeah, there's not that many teams that can afford to pay players a full-time salary that they can live off comfortably yeah. um, and we're not even asking for like you know the amount that the men are on at all it's just to live comfortably yeah exactly um, but hopefully that will come so. fingers crossed it's definitely on the right trajectory for sure definitely um how do you think just one final thing kind of how do you think kind of um I guess WSL and championship and maybe even national league level it's difficult because as you mentioned funding but how do you think they can kind of help develop the grassroots game so I play kind of like tier seven proper like grassroots games so how do you think kind of the kind of top level can help people like me who play in kind of like the bottom level any kind of words of wisdom um, 
especially from the WSL, just, you know, the I guess a lot of them are, are very well known now, whether that's promoting lower league teams on social media or mm. just going out, meeting people, going into schools, you know, chatting, getting more girls into the game. Because, you know, over the last few years, there's been so many young girls that have been interested in football and there's not this whole kind of tomboyish persona on it anymore. It's a yeah. bit like, no, every girl can play football regardless, you know, whether you're a girly girl or not, you can kick a ball around and you're just as good as anyone else. Um, so I think the more promoting that we do for one another and other teams, the better it's going to be in the long run. You know, if for us, you know, as even if they were in, um, if, if we're even like a tier four team, if they're promoting a tier seven team saying congratulations to, you know, X, Y, Z team today on winning or, you know, good, mm-hmm. good luck in the FA Cup or just little things like that. It makes such a difference to those smaller clubs, to the players. There's, you know, mutual respect across the board. I just think that will really, really help. And it will just encourage more girls to play because when you see these big names promoting smaller clubs, it kind of encourages everyone to get involved. So I think that's really important. Yeah, definitely. I like that idea as well, massively. Well, as I said, you we did the whole thing with Crystal Palace at my team. Yeah. So the fact that kind of a tier two team is kind of reaching out to grassroots teams is yeah that that honestly it made it meant so much to us as a team and it was really interesting to have a chat with her and you kind of I guess less so in the women's game but you kind of also get a bit lost in the idea that they're like oh well they're a professional footballer so they're like famous and like but actually they're just a normal person as well exactly and most of the girl I mean I I know like Annabelle has got a full-time job and does brilliantly with that but it's also Mm. captain of palace you know and you would never have expected that yeah of course but you know she's got both she balances both really really well and has got you know has worked really hard so but it's yeah again if there was more funding it'd be brilliant to see players like that to be able to go full-time and you know really push um but unfortunately it's just not quite there yet hopefully though next maybe five to ten years we'll be able to see a bit more funding and the fact that the women's national team are doing so well you know we get you know we've got obviously quite far in the in previous world cups and euros Mm -hmm. fingers crossed for next year we can do really well yeah and then that'll push it even more it's only in France, isn't it? So, um, yeah, is it only? Yeah, it's in France next year, isn't it? Sorry. No, we we're hosting next year. It's us. We've got it. Oh, for the final though, right? Some yeah. Uh, for the Euros, no, we're hosting all of it. Oh, are we? Yeah. Oh, okay, brilliant. Yeah, legacy projects all around the country as well, which is really exciting. Exactly. Yeah. So there you go. I bought my yeah, tickets already. <laughs> um. Yeah. Cool. Okay. We're going to try some quickfire questions. We'll see how it goes. I mean, you've you've obviously only been in the team for a little while, but you might. You yeah. might we'll see. <laughs> you've had preseason. That's enough. Yeah. Um, this is basically a part as well where you just get to kind of bait out your teammates <laughs> and you get to dob them in. You can veto <laughs> questions though. You, if you don't want to answer it, that's fine. Okay. Um, we'll start with who's always late. Um, it's tricky because we are very hot on accountability at Fulham. So nice. Yeah, it's you're there 15 minutes before training, dead on. And if you're not, you have to give a very, very, very good reason to go there. So honestly, it's no one. <clears throat> nice. I'm impressed. <laughs> um, who scores your winning goal? Um, Ellie. Ellie. Ellie Olds. Yeah, she's she's fantastic. She scored um, three. She scored a hat-trick actually in our, in our pre-season friendly and then scored again in our opening game. So yeah, Ellie definitely. Nice. Um, equally, who, who misses it? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'd say one of the defenders probably if they have like a long range shot. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think that's been most people's choices. Like pick a defender because you're like if they're near the goal, then I don't know what's happened to the formation. Yeah. <laughs> so if, you, if you if you pick a striker, you're totally killing them around. So. <laughs> exactly. Uh, who's most competitive? Um, Ellie. 
Uh, I'd say Maz, who's our captain, is very competitive. Hmm. Um, although everyone is really like we we're, we're all, we all push each other to the absolute max, yeah, and yeah, in, yeah. in a really strong way as well. Not in like a I'm better than you way. Yeah. Just in a really good team row way. Nice. Um, who waits till match day to turn it on? So they're kind of they're fairly chill at kind of training and stuff like that, and then they just they bring the heat on match day. Yeah, I'd say. Um, Helen's very much chilled out and then on match day she's on fire a lot mm. um she plays as like a, a on the left or the right of the three up top um and again Oana our newest signing is fantastic on the ball one of the um coaches actually called her a mini Messi ah, nice. she's brilliant so yeah either one of those I mean what a compliment <laughs> yeah exactly I feel like I already know the answer to this but who's turning up at the wrong venue or forgetting their kit No one. No one, yeah. I feel like that's the same as the who's always late. Like, nobody's doing that. (laughs) Yeah, you'd have to be seriously um, like doing something wrong if you do that. (laughs) There's so many reminders in the chat that you'd have to be (laughs) very silly to get it wrong. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, The biggest joker. Who's the kind of clown, team clown? Um, Pulling the pranks. Yeah. uh, Kate's quite funny. Kate Foster. Yeah. there's a few really. Tess is funny. Yeah, there's there's a few. Um, obviously, I haven't been on any away trips yet with the girls, so that's yeah. always normally the telling time. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And final question: Who's the kind of team hype woman? Like, who's getting everyone going? Who's probably like blasting out the tunes? And just, yeah, yeah, definitely Maz, our captain. Um, she brings the speakers to the games. She's kind of always putting, you know, like positive words in the chat saying like, let's go tonight, girls. You know, ready for training. Mm-hmm. Um, she's been at the club five plus years now and is heavily involved with the squad and you know involved in the foundation as well so yeah she's definitely one she's like a fulham through and through and a fulham fan as well so even more important (laughs) nice that sounds like everything you want in a captain really doesn't it (laughs) um just final things um are you recruiting for the season are you looking for people to come play with you or are you like Um, is the squad set for the season for new players yeah yeah we've we've had you know a few trialists over the last few weeks Mm -hmm. in different positions um, and I know some of the back end staff are looking for a communications person and things like that. So yeah, we're always looking for new talent, um, definitely. And you know, sometimes through the season things change, people don't fit within the squad and mm. they you know, they're looking for elsewhere and we're always welcome like new new players to come along, definitely. So yeah, we're not actively going out there and looking. We've got a solid squad of I think like twenty one, yeah, twenty two. But um, yeah, always open for new opportunities. Nice. And we had a little kind of brief chat about how you're kind of starting up new social media. Where can people find you on socials? Sure. Yeah. So we started up our um, Twitter page a few weeks ago. So that's Fulham FC Women. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of all our updates of the games, live coverage of everything. And then we'll also be going live on Instagram, hopefully within the next week. I'm not sure on the date. I um, I just know that they're putting together some of the images and then we're getting ready to go. But yeah, Twitter is up and running. So that's kind of our main contact point. Amazing. Cool. Well, in that case, thank you so much, Naomi, for joining me. It's been a real great pleasure to chat to you. Thank you for having me. It's been great. Yeah, it's been really brilliant. And um, kind of good luck for the season. I'll be, as thank I said, I'll kind of be too. keeping an eye on, on the, the division as a whole, really, because I've kind of got fingers in, in all pies, kind of who I'm k- keeping an eye out for. So, yeah. Yeah. Definitely, 100%. And you, good luck for you too. Um, <laughs> Thank you. It's uh, hopefully, no, we don't have any kind of COVID implications and we have a full season ahead. No, exactly. So, yeah. Thank you so much for joining me. It's been great. No problem at all. Thanks a lot. And I'll speak to you soon. Yeah, absolutely.
And thank you to you, the listener, for tuning in to episode 11 of the latest series in the Selk podcast production. Expect to hear many more interviews from those involved in the women's grassroots game, as well as news, history and everything else in between. And remember, it's okay not to be okay. So if you ever want to reach out, I'm always happy to chat football or anything else for that matter. Feel free to get in touch with me on social media. Stay safe out there, wash your hands, follow the guidelines and catch you all soon for episode 12. I've been your host, Abby, and you've been listening to Matchfix. This week's Selk podcast was brought to you by Down to Play, the simple app for next game availability.